Jesus, pray that you will take this prayer and make it truly more than words. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, the reality beyond the words deep in, be consistent, Lord, and true. Lord, as we continue to walk with you in this U-turn series where we're breaking through roadblocks to life, we ask that you would continue to speak to strongholds in our minds, in our lives. Faulty thinking, faulty attitudes, Lord, that have erected themselves and become barriers against you. Lord, come with your double-edged sword even today to pierce, to break through, to, to open up, even dividing the soul and the marrow, coming to, to the bone and the marrow, right down to the very core of who we are. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Speak in the deepest places, We truly hunger and thirst for you, Lord. Hunger for your word. We hunger for your word, Lord. We hunger for your presence in this 90 days in your presence. Lord, there's nowhere else we'd rather be but in your presence. How good it is to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would speak through your servant and our friend Pastor Dave how grateful we are Lord for his ministry among us these past many years we're grateful Lord that we have an opportunity again this morning to receive your word from your servant would you come and flood him today with your word and your truth and out of the overflow of that, Lord, may we receive Jesus from your hand today. We bless, Lord, this time in your word with gratitude and thanksgiving. All God's people say, amen. For those of you that are not so familiar with Pastor Dave, our Pastor Dave, we like to say around here, um, Pastor Dave Ogren, uh, pastor for... 35 years or so in various churches within our fellowship of churches. Then a uh, couple, three, how many years back now? Four. Four years. He stepped into uh, ministry with a ministry called Great Commission Media, uh, and which does ministry all over the world. And uh, in the midst of that, a couple years ago when I was on sabbatical leave working on a a doctorate, um, Pastor Dave became our interim senior pastor for a period of nine months and uh, had a profound impact and blessing on our congregation. So I would like to invite you to join me in welcoming back our friend, Pastor Dave. Thank you, everybody.
Well, good morning. Uh, good to be back at Bethel. Feels like home. Yeah. And uh, Tim and Heidi, it was just such a joy for me to be here. The dedication of your precious boys. Wonderful. Very special. Amen. Well, I've got an, I've, I've got a, a real light, fluffy message this morning. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm following. I'm following the pattern, so this is not my fault. We're going to speak on the stronghold of pride this morning, and uh, but I do feel like the Lord has given me a word for today. So take your Bibles, turn to First Samuel. We're going to start First Samuel nine. I'm going to do a little reading for a couple minutes, just to give you kind of some background. Before I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to read a quote from uh, Denny Gunderson, wrote a book a number of years ago. You can still get it, I think, through YWAM Press. It's called The Leadership Paradox. And this, this particular quote, well, the, the whole book is, is really about leadership and, and about servant leadership, actually. But before I read that, let's just pray this morning. Lord, I just... Uh, always count it such a joy what a privilege it is to uh, minister your word responsibility I thank you for this house this house that has been so good to my son and daughter-in-law and family Dave and Eric and their kids good place for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that they have been to Colleen and I. And just the bond of relationship we have with this church and Pastor Jim and Annette, the elders of this congregation. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that this morning you will uh, use your word today to uh, expose what may be in the darkness, even to our own eyes, maybe even blind to it ourselves this morning. I pray, O oh God, that you would uh, break the authority of pride in our lives that we would not miss what you have for us out of our own arrogance, our own stubbornness, our own unwillingness to bend to you. God, I just pray you'll speak to us this morning in a new and a fresh way in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for the team that goes to Guyana country now that's very precious to me 
Lord, I thank you for what you've done there already through the many years of ministry of many, many people, pastors, churches, faithfully serving you in that country, the work that we had the privilege of joining hands with last year. And now Bethel is going forward to continue that work. We rejoice in that today. Bless them, protect them, use them, anoint them. May they come home different, changed, radically changed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't it cool how God works? And I never knew I'd ever be in Guyana. And never knew there was a connection here. It goes way back to Guyana with Gene. And, and never, never knew that uh, a team from here would be going there. Here we are. Wonderful. All right, here we go. God in his sovereign wisdom allows spiritual leaders to be repeatedly tested on the point of leadership identity. Simply stated, the test is this. This is the test. Are we willing to embrace God's will even when his will appears to hold a deterioration of our personal place of importance as a leader? Is our identity so wrapped up in our leadership position that the loss of position causes us deep emotional trauma? Can we make John the Baptist's choice to decrease? Defensiveness is the twin of arrogance. Arrogance may be defined as the unwillingness to be corrected or checked. The unwillingness to be corrected or checked. Arrogance is the unwillingness to be corrected or checked. Turn to somebody and tell them that right now. Arrogance is the unwillingness to be corrected or checked. How many like to be corrected or checked? The person who closes himself off from reproof is determined to run things according to personal desire. He will end up, or she, will end up surrounding himself with those who blindly, who, who blindly loyal only affirm his ideas and, and decisions. So, we're dealing with a man today in Scripture that is really a tragic story story of King Saul, a man who God had set apart for ministry, a, God, a man that God had chosen, a God-chosen man that God also set aside. And um, let me just read a few verses here. First uh, Samuel 9, verse 1, there was a man of, of Benjamin whose name was, uh, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, uh, son of Zeror, son of Bekorath, son of Aphiah. Boy, those are great names, isn't it? A Benjamin. Benjamite. A man of wealth. He had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Verse 15, same chapter. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow 
about this time, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hands of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come up to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. Verse 21. Saul answered, Am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way concerning him becoming king? Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of Israel and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. And then he begins to speak of prophetically as far as what was going to happen. Verse 9. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave Saul another heart and all these things came, all these signs came to pass that day. Verse 14. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, where did you go? And he said, to seek the donkeys. When we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that, that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Verse 20, Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Metrites were taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people, and all the people shouted, Long live the king. Verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite, the, the Ammonite said to them, on this condition I will make a treaty with you that I gouge out all your right eyes and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days respite that we may send messengers throughout all the, ter the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept. Allowed. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled, and he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces 
and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, who, who, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. And when he had mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were uh, 300,000, and the men of Judah, 30,000. Okay, verse 12. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said shall... Uh, uh, so, so there was great, there was great victory, obviously, that happened. Then, then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said shall, uh, shall Saul reign over us? Bring us the men that we may put them to, be, to, to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom so all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. Then they, sac then they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Okay, wonderful story. Chapter 13, the kingdom now is united under Saul. Saul has now been king uh, for two years. Samuel has stepped down as the prophetic judge of Israel. And so after the victory over the Ammonites, which we just read about a few minutes ago, 330,000 Israelis came out. This huge, we would call it probably a militia, more than an army, because from every one of the 12 tribes, they came out from the tribes. And uh, there was a tremendous victory. Saul then, after this great victory over the Ammonites, disbands the army. Very typical, okay? Disbands the army. Everybody goes, go, goes home, goes back to their farms, goes back to their work. And, and Saul keeps 2,000 soldiers with him in Michmash, and there's 1,000 with Jonathan at Gibeah. And, uh, and Saul is now Gibeah, by the way, and Michmash, these are about nine miles from Jerusalem. It's a very rugged terrain. They're there on purpose because of the difficulty of getting there. It's kind of a safety factor for them. And, and halfway between Michmash and Gibeah, there was a small town called Giba. Okay? And, and, and in that town, there was a Philistine outpost. Now, the scripture isn't real clear here, but let's, let's try to fill in between the lines, it seems that Saul, without consulting the Lord, instructs Jonathan to attack this Philistine outpost. And, and when he does that, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like disturbing a hornet's nest. Have you ever disturbed a hornet's nest? Huh? You ever do that? Yeah, I did it once that I can remember well. I, I was at our house and, and I was trimming a hedge I had my ladder up on my neighbor's property, and and uh, I, I put the ladder by this uh, by this bush, and I, I climbed up on my ladder, and I was I was doing this hedge, and and the ladder, of course, was was kind of bumping against this bush. Didn't realize that there was a hornet's nest in the bush, and and before I knew it, I got I got stung five times in my face, and uh, you know, before everything happened so fast. The next thing I knew, I'm 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 in the middle of the street, you know, 
doing this, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And immediately my whole face just, and I walked in the house and Colleen said, you're going to the hospital. And I said, no, I'm not, you know, guy thing. No, I'm not going to the hospital. So, well, I, I didn't. I just just said, let's wait for a while and the swelling went down. Well, that that's exactly what happened here uh, is that, is that, uh, when, when Jonathan went against, uh, against this little tiny outpost of Philistine soldiers in Geba, it seemed like a, a harmless act, but what it did was it, was it, was, was, was it stung all of the Philistine army. Huh? And they went into this rage, um, and, and, and we read about that here in chapter 13, and the, verse 5, and the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel now, many translations say 30,000 chariots. How many have that in your Bible, 30,000 chariots? Okay. Um, uh, there are other man, man, manuscripts that say there are 3,000 chariots. And, and as I researched, it probably was three, not 3,000, not 30,000. Uh, 30,000 would have been the, the largest grouping of chariots in the world at that point. So... So, so more than likely it was 3,000, not 30,000, as some manuscripts say, versus the 30,000. All right, so, you know, still a lot. A lot, a lot of chariots. Okay, so 30,000, uh, uh, 3,000 3, chariots, 6,000 horsemen and troops, like, and, uh, and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. Okay, so this is a huge army. Huge army. All right, and they and and they come they come up against Israel, all right, and 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 so what what does Saul do? He he again tries to rally the troops, okay. How many remember how many people came out for him the first time? Three hundred thirty thousand from all over Israel. Guess what? That does not happen this time. Hardly anybody shows up, all right. Hardly anybody. Less than a thousand actually <laughs> show up. You know, and, and, and so there's, 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 this, there's this huge thing that begins to happen in this situation. And, and, and uh, in the midst of all this, uh, ver verse 6, When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and, and, and in cisterns. <laughs> and, and some Hebrews crossed the fjord. The, the forge of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still in Gilgad, and all the people who, who, who did follow him followed him trembling. Verse 8, very key. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. Now, okay, go back to chapter 10. Chapter 10. Samuel had prophesied early on about this event. Verse 8, Samuel 10, verse 8. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming to you, I, who? Samuel. I am coming to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come and show you what you shall do. Okay? Clear word. Samuel says, go to Gilgal, stay there seven days, wait for me I am going to come, I'm going to make sacrifice, okay, and I will tell you what you are to do. How many of you guys pretty clear word? Okay, pretty clear word. 
All right. So, 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 all right. He waits seven days. The time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. <laughs> as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel comes. And Saul says, I don't believe it. <laughs> right? All right. All right. And Saul went out to meet him and, and greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw the people were scattering from me and what you did, and, and, and that you did not come, Within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered in Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at, at, at Gilgal, and I have not say, uh, sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And we'll, we'll go on in a couple minutes. Now, this, this, there's a pattern here. And we'll see the same pattern in chapter 15 in, in Saul's life. The pattern here is a pattern that brought to pass Saul's downfall. Gifting and calling are not enough. Gifting, gifting and calling are not enough. If we are going to fulfill the will of God in our life, it's got to be because we are willing to walk in humble obedience and we must be willing to acknowledge wrong when we make when we misstep. If 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 those if those characteristics are not active in our life, let me tell you, you will never enter the fullness of what God has intended for your life if you are not willing to walk in humble in in humility and if you are not willing to acknowledge wrong. And, and, and Saul, in this situation, responds with something that you or I have never done. He responds with impatient, rash compulsiveness. Okay, turn to your husband or wife, or, or wife and say, I have never done that. Come on, come on. Impa impatient, rash compulsiveness. Okay? All right? How many, how many have ever been in a situation you got a little nervous, there's a little tension going on, stuff isn't quite fitting together the way you think, all right, Saul has just called the troops, people aren't coming, huh? Before 330,000 people show up this time, hardly anybody's showing up, everybody's hiding, those who are coming are scared to death, you know? And, 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 and the people who are coming are scattering, are going back home, and, and, and Samuel said, wait seven days. Okay, one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days. Okay, this is seventh day. He waits, he waits, he waits. Samuel's not here. I got to take things in my own hands. I got to make this thing happen. I got to step into this situation. I got to do this. And so, and, and so he responds in such a way he tries to act as prophet, priest, and king. Now, let me read you a couple of scriptures. 
Um, Proverbs. Good old Proverbs. Solomon was pretty wise, wasn't he? Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You see, we, we see a characteristic here in Saul where there was a, there was a compartment in Saul's life that, that we would say was out of control. Okay? That where, where, where Paul even talks about Unless I bring my body into subjection, I myself will become a castaway. Huh? Huh? That, that, that possibility? All right. Unless I bring my body into subjection. Do you, you realize that there are many areas in your life where, where you, you, yes, you, not, not your spouse, not, not, the, not the government of, of, of the state of Minnesota or the federal government or, or the police force or whatever. No, you where you need to bring your body into subjection. How many had to do it this week? Yes, yes. How many need to repent because you didn't do a very good job? All right, no, no, you don't have to raise your hand. All right, I, I, I mean, the fact is, is that we can all relate to that reality, myself included, okay? We're all there at times, and there is a place in your life and my life where we need to bring our body into subjection, and, and, and Saul was in that place right now. Where everything around him was screaming, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. But the reality was what? He had a clear word from God. He had a clear word from God. Verse, uh, chapter, chapter 25 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A man without self-control. Chapter 19. Proverbs. 19, 1-3. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Wow. Chapter 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. My goodness, how many times have we spoken hastily? How many times have we responded, you know, out of our passion or out of our frustration? And that's exactly what was happening to Saul here. He was responding out of his frustration. He was, he, he was responding out of his passion. He, he, he was responding hastily. Instead, he would have, If he would have really thought through what he was doing, he probably would have never done this. Probably never would have done this. But here we see that kind of response. And it's interesting to me that when you think of the fruit of the Spirit, okay, say it with me, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and... Say it again. Say it again. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I thank God for the gifts. 
I thank God for prophecy and tongues, interpretation, and word of wisdom and word of knowledge, and the gift of healing, gift of faith. I thank God for every one of the gifts. But let me tell you, you can operate in all the gifts. And by the way, Saul operated in the gifts as well. But without self-control, we lose credibility like that. <laughs> right? Like that, we lose credibility. You know, immediately. Immediately. I remember, this is, this is confession is good for the soul. I remember years ago, I was pastoring on, an, on Vashon Island, a little, small little island out in Puget Sound. Our first church. And, and we were in the midst of what I would consider now, as I look back, it was kind of a youth revival. It was, how many remember the hippie era? Okay, you know. Uh, Vashon Island was a good place to grow, uh, to, to, to raise goats, make pottery, and smoke marijuana. That was Vashon Island. And, and, and there was a lot of all three on the island. And by the way, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they, those, those, so, those same hippies that I was ministering to back then, they, they look the same today. They, they just have gray hair, you know. I mean, they still have the microbuses. They're still smoking marijuana and raising it. It's really an unusual culture. But anyhow, we, we had a, a real marvelous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There was a young guy uh, uh, by the name of, of Albert Lyon. And, and, and he, was, he was a major drug dealer on the island. And he, he had dyed bright red hair that went all the way down to here. And, and he was called Albert the Lion on, on the island. And he came to Christ. And, and he was a tremendous guitarist. And, and he, with our little worship band from our church, all young people, um, we put out on this huge concert at, at the high school gym and packed it out with young people. It was marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. Great outpouring of the Spirit. Lots of people getting saved. Just a wonderful, you know, fun. That's fun stuff, isn't it? Huh? When, when that kind of stuff happens. Well, this one guy gets saved uh, among many. And, and I'm at his house. I'm at his house. And, and we're, we're sitting at a table. Uh, and we're, <laughs> this is so bad. We're sitting at a table and we're studying the Bible. Okay. And, and, and he, you know, I, I've gone over the same thing with him like three or four times. And he's not getting it. He's not getting it. And you know what I did? I, I was sitting across him, across the table, and I went, and I called him by name, and I said, Come on! And I lost him. He never came back to church. By... One, I lost him. And I will never forget it. I will never forget it. Because the lack of self-control causes you to lose so much. Lose so much. You think, I have a, I have a right to vent how I... No, you do not have a right to vent you do not have a right to vent, to spew out whatever, whatever frustration you're feeling right now. You do not have a right. Say, I do not have a right. Self-control. God has called you to self-control. 
God has called Dave Ogren to self-control. That's something I have to go back to over and over and over again. Huh? It's so significant in our lives. Now, a good question. There's, there's always the discerning process. Are, are we compulsive or are we acting in faith? Okay? How many, how many get in that d- dilemma? Okay? You know, we talk about rash compulsiveness. Okay? Here's, here's Saul acting rashly, compulsively. We all know that now after the fact. Okay? Um, beforehand, he could have justified it by saying, hey, I'm doing this in, in faith. This is an act of faith. How, however, it was not an act of faith, was it? It was not an act of faith at all. In fact, um, that, the, the, there, are, there, there are some things here that are, that are so important for us to see, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But, but we need to understand that we are only in authority when we're under authority. Saul already had a clear, clear word. And what was the word? <laughs> That's it. Wait. Wait. How many like that word? Wait. Wait. God! You know, we, we called out on God today, right? Right? D- didn't you love that song? Whew. Love that song. You know, whisper. You know, call, shout. Jesus. Isn't, isn't that beautiful? Man, I was doing all three of them. Praise God. It's wonderful. But how many like it when you're doing that and God says, Wait. I want, I want it now. God, now. In the name of Jesus, now. (laughs) And God says, wait. (laughs) Now. And God says, self-control. Wait. Wait. How many have ever been horribly embarrassed by stepping out and then Samuel comes. <laughs> oh, no. There he is. There he is. Had God spoken? Yes. Okay. In a discerning process, we need to ask that question. Has God spoken? Is it confirmed? Did Jesus say come? The scripture is very clear. We can walk in the Spirit. We can be led by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 to 18. Yes, we can. We can. We can be led by the Spirit. We can walk in the Spirit. Paul's, uh, Saul's second issue here is, and, and by the way, I think the second issue is actually greater than the first. Because we see other examples of compulsiveness. And, and another example of it is, is, is James and John when they wanted to fall, uh, call fire down from heaven on the Samaritans in, in, in Luke chapter 9. Um, but, but Saul's real problem here is that when he was confronted by Samuel, instead of quickly humbling himself, instead of admitting his wrong, repenting and asking for forgiveness, what does he say? What does he say? He says, he, he says a couple things here. He says, the people were scattering. Okay? So, so the first thing we do is we point it at other people. 
right? I, I am doing what I'm doing because of them, right? Right? You know? Dave, why did you respond this way? Well, I responded this way because Colleen said this to me. No, 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 no. See, that's not the issue, is it? You know, but, but so often for us, we justify our actions because we think somebody else ticked us off. Nobody ticks you off. Nobody ticks you off. You choose to get ticked off. How many want me to stop right now? I want me to stop right now. <laughs> I do. I, I do. I do. But I'm not going to. Okay. So, so, so the, the people, the people were scattering. And then he said, he said to Samuel, let me use Pastor Jim. You and, and, and Samuel, you didn't come. It, it was Samuel's fault. The man of God. It's the man of God's fault. If it wasn't the people, it's the man of God. Now he's building his case. Now he's got a pretty strong case here. Not only, not only did the people do something wrong, but the man of God, the man of God didn't do what he was supposed to do. And thirdly, the enemy was coming. Michmash was, uh, the, the Philistines were in Michmash and they're going to come down to me in Gilgal. And now he, now he brings out the trump card. He spiritualizes his, his ungodly response. <laughs> you know, he's spiritualized. He says, I have, I have not sought the favor of the Lord. And I needed to seek the favor of the Lord. So, so if it's not the people and, if, and it's not uh, uh, godly leadership, then, then it's because, because somehow we're able to spiritualize our decision and say that, you know, I needed to do this because this was... This, this was my spiritual response to what I felt I was supposed to do. And so what does he say? I felt compelled. I, I felt compelled. I, I forced myself. The, the, the word here in the Hebrew means to pull yourself together to do something that involves risk. I I just, I just pulled, I, I, I pulled myself together to make this difficult decision, this risk-filled decision. I, so, so, so he, he's, he's intimating here thought and, and consideration and evaluation, and, and, and after spiritually evaluating all of this, he made this decision. In fact, you and I know it was compulsive. He felt pressed upon. So here we have a guy who's manufacturing his reasons, who's protecting himself, who's defending himself, who's covering himself up, who's, who's not taking responsibility for any of the stuff he's doing. And, and Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Now, what we see here is that this was a continuing stronghold in, in Saul's life. And, and, and let's just quickly go to chapter 15. I, I'm, I'm, 
not going to spend a whole lot of time on this part, but uh, let me just make reference to it. And, and, then, and then, because there's so many parallels here. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 10, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned uh, back from following me. And by the way, er, early on in, in, in chapter 13, Saul said, uh, Samuel said to Saul, God is going to remove you from as king. So, so God, God had said, I'm going to remove Saul as king. Okay? But I want you to notice that between 13 and 15, there was time that went on. Why is there time? Because, because God was giving him time to repent. He was, it's, it's, it's not his will that any perish, but all come to repentance. Okay? Revelation chapter 2, even, even in that context, a woman that, that, that Jesus called Jezebel, he said, he said, I gave her time to repent. I gave her time to repent, but she wouldn't. I gave her time to repent. And, and, and so God gives us time to repent. And by the way, that is the message for me and for you today. It is time to repent. It, it is time to stop sidestepping issues. It is, it, it is time to quit blaming circumstance, people, godly leadership, the word of the Lord, whatever you want to blame. It is, it is time to quit blaming. And it's time to take responsibility for our, lock, our lack of control and making wrong verbal and action decisions that are destructive. And so, I regret, verse 11, that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he has set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. The Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Samuel said, and, and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of, of, of Amalek. I have devoted uh, the Amalekites to destruction. But the people 
took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as, he, as, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fats of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is, is, is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And then Saul says, I've sinned. <laughs> Stubbornness, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. Casting blame, the people took the spoil. Assuming the sacrifice would more than make up for the reality of his disobedience. Now, I want to wrap this up. I want you to understand, so I want, can you see something? Just close your eyes. Sometimes we see something better when we close our eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to see something today. I want you to see that Saul sacrificed so much for so little. Say, say that in your heart. Saul sacrificed so much for so little. I want you to see that. He sacrificed so much for so little. And, 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 and out of our lack of self-control and out of our pride and arrogance, we sacrifice so much for so little. What do we get out of this? A momentary sense of being able to, 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 to vent our feelings, to vent our emotions, to say what's in our heart. And we, and we, and we, and we scar and we maim and we hurt and we defile by our words and by our actions. Isaiah 66, To whom will the Lord look with favor and care? The object of his desire, the, the object of his delight, the object of his pleasure, those who are humble, those who are contrite. Do you know what it means to be contrite? It is the opposite of one who stiffens his neck. Proverbs 29 says, Those who stiffen their neck will soon be cut off and that which out without remedy. Contrite means you are willing to bend. You're pliable. You're stubborn. You're resistant. You're proud. You're arrogant. God says, I will resist that. I will resist you. I will stand against you. I will resist the proud. But I will give grace unmerited favor to the humble. Now I want you to understand something as I wrap this up this morning. From a New Testament perspective, and we can't spend a long time on this, but James chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 5 are two very significant portions of Scripture that deal with the issue of pride. Where, where God says He opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. Okay? James chapter 4, verse 6. He opposes the proud. And so, James, the half-brother of Jesus, gives this specific direction. And he tells us, therefore, because God opposes the proud, what are you to do? And gives grace to the humble. Submit. Bend. Don't blame anymore. Bend. Submit yourself to God. Then he says, interestingly enough, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. 
I want you to understand here, here's something that I didn't understand until I did this study for this message today. Never preached this message before. All right. And, and some of you are saying, yeah, I can tell. All right. So, and then, <laughs> now, <laughs> James, James says here what? He, he, he gives us a clue that pride and arrogance is more than human reaction. It's a spiritual stronghold issue. And when we open ourselves to stiffening our neck, huh? Stiffening our neck, pride, arrogance, venting our fear. You know what? We are making room for the demonic. I never saw that, Jim, until right now, until this last week as I studied this. We are making room for the demonic. And there are demonic strongholds that surround the area of pride and arrogance and contention and wanting my own way and stiffening my neck. They love that. And, and, and demonic spirits will do whatever they can to have you function in that realm because it brings destruction. It brings destruction. And we need to, we need to see it today. This is, not, this is not because you are Irish or you're Norwegian or, or whatever you are. Okay? You know, how many are Norwegian here? Well, there's only about two of you that acknowledge it. I know, I know some of you Norskis. The reality is that, is that we blame heritage, we blame family, we blame... Ba- my mom is like this, my dad's like this, you know, that, therefore... No, 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 no. We are talking here about a demonic stronghold. And yes, there may have been a demonic stronghold in your parents as well. That may be a given, but the fact is is that we're dealing more than with human characteristics here. We are dealing more than even with an issue of self-control here. We are dealing with a demonic issue that Satan will feed. He will feed that. He will encourage that. He will make you feel good about venting those kinds of responses. Last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves again. The opposite of stiffening your neck. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Don't forget that. Don't believe the lie. He does care for you. And then He says, in the context of humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, be sober, be watchful, because the devil, as a, as a, as a roaring lion, prowls, seeking someone to devour He will devour you with pride and with arrogance and with a stiffened neck. And so, what does Peter say? He says, resist him, meaning Satan, steadfast in the faith. And this morning, there are some of you that need to repent. Okay? There are some of you that need to humble your stiffened neck. And there are some of you that need to resist the devil. Because there is an issue of stronghold. And unless you acknowledge that, you will continue to battle that. Let me tell you this. Some of you may even be aware, right now when I say this, some of you may even be aware of the moment you gave in to that. You opened the door to that. And all of a sudden, 
there was a new sense of anger and bitterness and pride and arrogance and resistance to anyone saying anything to you that would contradict what you want. Boom! That happens and boom! You respond. That is demonic. That isn't just simply human response. That is demonic. We're making room for something. I'm not talking about demonic possession. I'm talking about demonic influence. Okay? You can be saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and be influenced by the demonic. It's kind of confusing, but it happens all the time. It's time to get serious. It's time to humble ourselves. It's time to do something about pride. There is too much at stake because we sacrifice so much for so little. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, God, for the exposure of your word to my own heart, my own life. We humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before your word. We humble ourselves before people. We choose to acknowledge our wrong. We even choose to acknowledge the strongholds that we have given room to. We renounce it in the name of Jesus. We will no longer tolerate. I just feel impressed right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you are dealing right now with issues in your life that are strong and powerful. But right now, you are saying, I am no longer going to tolerate this in my life. And by the grace of God, I renounce the work of the enemy in my life right now. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Up and down. Up and down. Good. Bless you. Many of you. You can put your hand down. It's not, not for me to see. I didn't really look at anybody's hand. It doesn't make any difference. But there are issues that we need to renounce and there's issues that we need to hold ourselves accountable to. And today, may you no longer say, I am justified by responding that way. I have a right to respond that way. I'm not, I'm not calling you to a life of perfection, but I'm calling you to an accountable life that when you, when you do err, when you do walk in the wrong direction, you immediately deal with that. Take responsibility for it and choose to walk in humility and not stiffen your neck and not blame and not point at others, but take the responsibility that belongs to yourself. Mm -hmm. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to call for people who feel called. Now, God, God may be dealing with you, and I, I honor this, respect this. God may deal with you right where you're at, and you don't need to move, you don't need to do nothing, but stand right where you're at and allow God to finish his work right where you're at. That's great, wonderful. But if, if, if you sense in your heart, God is calling me to take a stand this morning 
for him. You, you can come and kneel. You can come stand. You can come in the presence of God this morning. I'm going to turn the rest over to Pastor Jim, obviously, this morning. But uh, I'm going to invite you to respond, not to me, not to my message, but to the Holy Spirit's working in your life this morning and allow Him to accomplish what He wants to accomplish today. I believe it's going to be better for you and for your family. It will allow you to enter into the fullness of what God has intended for you. The, the blockage will stop. If Saul had, in chapter 13, repented, if Saul would have said, Samuel, I am dead wrong. You know, hold me accountable. I will do my best. I will, I, 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 he probably would have continued on. This came. But it didn't happen. Because he continued to walk in pride and resistance. Do not continue. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God bless you. In this sacred space and time, right now, with open hands, just open your hands to Him. Lord, I'm asking that you would take the word that you have spoken, and that you would sow it deeply into our hearts. Lord, you've been so gracious to us to speak to us your word and it is only your grace that will nourish and sustain and fulfill that word in us so I pray that you would water your word with your grace today and that Lord you would bring true transformation into our lives not just rearranging on the surface but Lord God going right to the very core of who we are, even as we prayed before we began the service, Lord God, that you would come to the very core of our lives and change us, that we might experience the fullness of life that is your desire to give to us. That's your desire, that we might have life and life to the full. So I pray that as you go today, that you might be filled afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be you yours. And as you go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations go with the banner of his favor and grace over your lives and until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home i pray that the blessing of the lord will chase you down go in his grace in jesus name amen